You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Uh, firstly, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to everybody who's joining me today. Um, so Jeremy, Emilio, uh, Martin and Yi. Um, we're going to be talking about how to manage data quality in 2022. Um, before we go ahead and get started um, on the questions uh, around and get everybody's introduction from everyone. Um, so if Jeremy, if you'd like to go first, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy. I have a PhD in geochemistry that I got in 2011. Um, I work for Mentimeter as a data scientist since August of 2020. Nice. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for that introduction. If Emilio, if you'd like to go next, that'd be lovely. Sure. Yeah, my name is Emilio. I work as a data scientist in PostNord group functions. My background is uh, in natural language processing and now working mostly on voice-based conversational AI uh, to support customer service primarily. Lovely. Thank you very much, Emilio, for that Thanks, introduction. Sure. <laughs> and uh, Martin, if you'd like to go next. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm, I'm head of data science uh, within financial crime intelligence investigations and analytics in uh, in uh, in Nordea. Um, and what, what we kind of do is we, we build tools and automation around analytics and machine learning to kind of support intelligence and investigation teams. Uh, to prevent financial crime. Um, I, I come with uh, a deep, both a deep technical background with uh, a PhD with an AI, um, and, uh, but I've also been heavily involved in, in on the business side and have actually built up uh, several companies which have exited in the past. Um, so um, I think in this space, you just need to um, be kind of good across the board on both the, the business and the um, uh, technical side. Sure. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you very much for that introduction. And last but certainly not least, um, Yi, if you'd like to give us your introduction, that would be lovely. Yes, uh, my name is Yi. I work uh, right now as a machine learning engineer at HM. My team is mainly working on project recommender systems. Uh, before my current job, I also work as a data engineer, uh, data engineer at Tink. So I have a bunch of years in this domain. Uh, looking forward to talk with you guys about like exchange ideas around data quality. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, we definitely got some um, great panelists on on today and I'm looking forward to getting started. Um, so with everybody's introductions, I'll definitely go ahead and jump straight into the questions now. Um, so the first question that we've got, got up today um, is a question by Martin and that is, what is data quality? Um, so with Martin, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind your question and then I'll let everybody jump in. Yeah, sure. Uh I'll just go ahead here. So, I mean, it, it, data quality, right? It, 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 it depending on, uh, on 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 both you as a stakeholder where you are positioned compared to the data, uh, but also in terms of uh, what kind of data you're working with. Uh, data quality can actually mean quite a few different things on it, right? Uh, I think as a data scientist working with data, some of the concerns you might have is you know how how correct are the data? Do do you have missing values? You know, do you have you know, columns with null values and things like that just generally make the data hard to work with, right? So you potentially need to do a lot of cleaning and and also can can make it hard. Um, when you get into the machine learning part, it's super important, for example, maybe to have labels on your data. What's the quality around on on uh, on those labels? Uh, 
how how much data do you have that's unlabeled, for example? How do you work with it? Um, but I think, for example, in a in a bank like uh, like Nordea, it's also important to look at some of the other data quality parameters, which can be: uh, Do we have a lawful basis to use this data, for example, right for for this purpose? If we don't have those kind of quality parameters in place on the data, it can make it also very very hard to use it for for different use cases on it. Um, but it can also be things like, you know, uh, again, GDPR related. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different angles to data quality on it, and and all of them can kind of contribute to either making a data set good and usable, or or making it very very hard potentially to to use it for anything at all. Yeah, a lot of areas in data quality. That, and what is it? Uh, I can start giving my point of view. Uh, I believe that. Uh, there are three main uh, areas uh, of concern and that you can define data quality with. One is, as you mentioned, is the labeling. So anytime that you have labeling, how can you really trust it? Uh, how do you know if it's correct or not? I um, mean, that de that depends on the people that you have labeling it, right? Yeah, sure. Or, and... well, if someone has labeled it or if the label is implicit. But yeah, if it was manually labeling, it depends on the people. It depends how many people did it. It depends what kind of instructions they were given, if they were interpretable <laughs> or very uh, explicit. But that's for sure one main concern. Uh, and more than uh, what I often thought, think about is more than, the, uh, more than the issue of null values or missing values is the wrong ones like that you cannot easily catch as uh, with simple rules, but they are, uh, yeah, hard to catch, but ruining the model and causing troubles. To make an example, like uh, if you think about the address name of a shipment, if the person has put also the personal name of the uh, recipient of the parcel in the wrong field, then you get personal names inside the address. And that's not as obvious to catch as an or not a number value in a table. Uh, I, I think I agree. I think as uh, both Mot, Mot and Emilio mentioned that there are many different dimensions when we, when we talk about the data quality, right? So I think probably thousand people have a thousand definition of what data quality means to them. So if we put, I can put it into my context. For example, I'm working with a, a recommendation recommendation system, and the, one of the requirement is we want the data to be in real time. So how real time? How timely the data is is a key factor when we consider the quality. So in our case, we, we say like the data needs to be available from it is uh, generated from the source until it's being calculated and generated as a feature for serving purpose. This needs to be under five seconds. So those uh, timeliness also can be considered as a as a, a factor of uh, data quality. Yeah. But do do you guys have any uh, any uh, requirements in your part like? How, in your parts, how do you define this uh, data quality requirement? Do you have a thorough process of doing that, or do you, do you like define this along the way? So uh, we are a little bit less advanced than you guys are, I think. Um, but our definition for data quality is getting the same metric numbers to all of the stakeholders that match. And we have a group of very excellent uh, analytics engineers and data engineers working very diligently on this problem. So if one stakeholder has 2% as their metric, we want all of the rest of the stakeholders to have 2% as the same metric. And this is a big problem for us. Uh, and we'll get into this later when I present my question. 
But we went from a company of um, 90 people when I started in August of 2020 to over 200 now. And everyone wants to be data-driven and everybody wants numbers. And where those numbers come from uh, is a big problem for us. And so our analytics engineer and data engineers are working all the time on trying to make sure that we get the same numbers to everybody else. Um, and this is before we even get into the machine learning stuff, which we um, are just scratching the surface of. Yeah, no, but it's it's definitely interesting, these kind of different angles on, on, on data quality, right? And you can say it, it's... So, for example, some of the things we have in a big, big bank like ours is, you know, when we're looking at least some of the quality parameters, right, then we follow this uh, data governance recipe, for example. Um, and that's especially, you know, for some of these. So it's about like like setting up a process about quality. I think that that's the, the, the key, at least to to some parts. I think often what you will see in, in like, you know, big, big companies, you know, it, more geared towards you know more classical big data type things where I think quality for machine learning as you say for example with labels and things like that it, they, they, they're not always captured by these uh, existing processes and really you potentially need to to develop some other processes around it right um, I, I think this with where data is coming from is also really really important right um, and I think you know um, sometimes it's always it's not always generated inside the the company, right? It might be externally sourced data. And there, it's also uh, important to look at what are the the quality processes if you're buying data, for example, from an external vendor, as an example, or even just integrating data from different API could cause some troubles later down the line. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I think it's especially difficult if you the the data are coming from a third party where you you don't have any influence. Right, then you, you can only get it and they can assume the data is in good quality, then you need to, to verify that and make sure that meets your your needs. Uh, but if it's not, then it's, I don't know, you you, you have this uh, influence kind of uh, trace back to the third party to say, okay, you, your data is not in good quality, those are, those are, those fields are missing, those uh, data are not, are incomplete. Could you do something with that? But from, from my experience, this is uh, super hard. The, the best thing, way of doing that is just like uh, identify those issues and uh, try the best from, from your our own end to, to, to fix as much as possible. Yeah. But I, I like the use case you mentioned, for example, with addresses, right? And and that's that's something we also work with in banks, for example. It's it's, uh, it's an important thing for banks to maintain you know, to date uh, information about uh, you know like our customers' addresses, for example. Um, and and there, you know, it's also a little bit where do you source those from, right? So you know, potentially the, it, the source is also like uh, pu public registries, for example, with it. So it also comes down to like what what is the ground truth? What do we trust more, and which are are the most up to date ones to use? And and sometimes it might be that you need to date possible that that redundancy, so that you can detect where where you do have it on data. Uh, if you have two data source, the address doesn't match that. Maybe it's about how much you can trust that address as an example. Right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, there is usually one source that is always more trustworthy than the other. Uh, hopefully, the public registry is the most thing, accurate thing that you can get, at least. Uh, but then you have like directly inputted data by customers, and they sometimes are a bit less careful than the than when they submit information to the tax agency, uh, which is like kind of done once and then you forget about. 
So even there, like I think that to wrap up a bit what we have discussed, uh, the answer as often is it depends. It's really, the data quality is really depending on, on your use case and whether it's something that can be detected by rules or not. So I mean, let's try, like, try, I like to box things a little bit uh, to simplify the problem. But when rules don't work, then it's where you really need the domain knowledge. And it's not enough to have the technical knowledge that data scientists or data engineers might have. In the end, you need people that really know the business. And that's like, I think we will get back on this later on, but uh, it's always a key point for us, technical people, not to forget that we need the domain knowledge and we need to be able to convince uh, stakeholders of the importance of data quality. So what you're saying is... The problem is people and the solution is people. Most of the times, that's the answer. Most of the time, yeah. It's all about people. Yeah, I agree about that. The, the data quality issue is uh, very use case specific. Different use cases have different uh, data quality requirements. But I also think it's, it, the data quality can be a like evolving process. Uh, for one use case, you might, like, let's put it into context, for one use case, if we do batch processing of the data, then we get the data in 24 hours. That's good enough. But in, in the same data set, if we want to do real-time processing, then 24 hours is definitely not uh, good enough, right? Then we need to 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 add some extra requirement on, on the data set. So the data quality is not good 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 enough in the timely timeliness wise. You, we need to do something about it to to make it meet the requirement. But it's also a little bit of looking at the the kind of the, what life cycle you are in terms of the the solution you're you're developing, for example, right? That um, I think you know when you're doing kind of your 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 initial proof of concepts on it, right? Then of course you might have one one bar on the quality, whereas when you you know actually have things in production on it, you you also need some of uh, some some other ways of managing things on it. Then all of a sudden you need to start monitoring, for example, the data coming into your machine learning model or, or whatever on it, um, because otherwise you will not catch it when things break or you might catch it too late, for example, also. Um, but that's no longer, data quality is no longer part of the development process, but it's, it's actually part of like operating whatever it is for data solution you've then built on top. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, lovely. Well, I'll just move on just to the next question now. Um, so this one is from A. So <clears throat> how to manage data quality issues from the source? So if you'd like to give us a bit of background behind um, this question and then I'll let everybody jump in. Yeah, so uh, basically the, 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 the thing is like when we as a data consumer are usually not at the same time data producer, right? And all uh, in, in a bigger company such as HM, the, the chain can be very long, which means the data consumer is far away from data, data data producer. That means if we, as a consumer, identify some data quality issue, it's really hard, first of all, to reach out to who is responsible, who has domain knowledge of the data, who have caused this uh, data quality issue. The second thing is how we can influence back to the data producer to say, okay, we have this data quality, which is not good enough for our, for our business needs. We need to we need you to do something because we have no way of changing the the, the data uh, from our hand. We need to rely on the producer to do so. So how could we influence them to solve the data quality issue from the source? So I I, I don't know if this is clear enough. Oh yes, 
<laughs> I think it's a really common issue, at least in larger organizations. Uh, so I think we, we really, at least for my side, I really understand your uh, concern. And I think that the most uh, critical aspect is that data storage and access needs to be clearly documented on one side. So when you access uh, an API or you ingest data anyhow, it has to be extremely clear, either in the metadata or in the documentation, a contact person to reach out directly if you find any issue. And on the other side, any producer has to have the ownership of the quality because you cannot put the ownership on the consumer, obviously. Uh, it doesn't have the power to, to do so, as you mentioned. So I think that really comes from the top of the organization. Into, you want to produce data or you have to produce data, great, but with that it comes to responsibilities. Clear documentation and ownership of the quality and the ability of fixing issues when they arise. But it's much easier said than done, obviously. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. So, no, what, I, mean, I, mean, I, I think what you're mentioning is uh, kind of like the data mesh concepts. The producers, the owner data, they, they're responsible for the data quality, so, something like that. Yeah, I mean, if, of course, it, the part, part of it is, of course, this with, with you know, putting that, that level of data governance around your, your solution, right? That you, you, um, you know, if if something changes upstream, that this is uh, communicated and aligned with downstream consumers of of the data. Um, but I think what what you often see is that implementing this in practice can be hard for a number of reasons, right? Um, as you're saying, you know, there are some certain structures like like uh, data meshes, which is gaining in popularity, right? Which is a way of kind of like organizing around the the governance also around your your data on it. But it can still be challenging if you're using, you know, a hundred different data sources coming from very different uh, places, right? How how do you do that and and assure communication? Because in practice, like dealing with a hundred different stakeholders is is just hard for one team to do, for example. Um, but it's also live systems, right? Like like data changes over time, and and the new migration projects where they move to new systems where data is organized differently. Or it can be, you know, that they are also themselves bringing in new data points or even worse, they are decommissioning some systems that you were relying on because now they are no longer needed for whatever purpose they were originally built on. Um, it, it is it is tough, right? And and I think it's also something in terms of your, when you design your solutions, you, you know, you can look at things like robustness and, and redundancy also, potentially if you are in this kind of space where, uh, you know, your, your data is not that stationary in terms of what you uh, will be getting over time. Um, I mean, you can say data can change for a number of reasons, right? It could both be on the system side, but it can also be, uh, you know, like for example, we deal with a lot of customer data and customer behavior might change, right? So we know that in, in, in the financial sector, customer behavior changed during during COVID, right? Um, and and th those are things that we need to be able to to deal with uh, somehow in, in terms of designing robust uh, data analytics solutions. Yeah, for sure. And I think what that comes down to is people with foresight and experience. It's like, hey, we're implementing this new thing that's going to have a different structure than our current thing. We should get ahead of this and make sure that it's as seamless as possible and communicate that to all of the important stakeholders. I think that's that's the biggest thing. It's um, understanding the system and being proactive and preemptive about solutions. I have a, yeah. a question for like related to this, and I don't really have a clear answer yet. But do you think that like 
would it work better if there was a central organization responsible to ensure data quality? So basically the producer would place the data into a centralized either data lake or data mesh uh, with a team that is responsible for that and consumers access them from this centralized place. Uh, so that if there has to be a change in the uh, in the production of the data, uh, this is not the teams producing the responsibility to notify all the consumers, but just to notify the, let's say, the data management team. And then it's on their side to spread the word and manage the transition with both sides, or it's better to remove this intermediate layer. Well, I think if you have an intermediary who has this idea of, how things should look and how things did look, that could be super useful um, in a way that can be both communicative and take the workload off of the people trying to make the transition as seamless as possible from a technical perspective. So I, I think that's a super good idea, Emilio. That's awesome. <laughs> but I, I feel like this is a, such a good question. It's a, it's with Spark a never-ending debating uh, around it, e either centralized or distributed, right? That has been debating in, in the data world for quite a long time. But um, what what about like, what about if we have uh, like centralized control, but not too much? Let's say like I have this idea in my head, in my head for, for quite uh, quite some time now. Let's say we have a central, central team, what the control is like, like or more like a, 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 a doorkeeper. So if I want to ingest some data, I need to check the data schema you're getting in to the system, uh, but that's it. I, I don't control how you produce the data. I don't uh, control uh, uh, the, the the data like the producing part. I don't own the data either. Uh, with, uh, the central part is like all my governance, like the all, only define the rules, defines, let's for example, uh, more concrete thing is define schema, or if you, you uh, sorry, not defining schema, but verifying the schema. If you, I'm a data producer team, I say I want to produce some data, then I create a schema. So, but this does this data align with the rest of the, the system? Can we accept it? It's the responsibility of the central team, but that's it. Only this limited responsibility. What other things is distributed? That, that's just like uh, some, I'm just thinking out loud with this idea. Yeah, I mean, the point is always how much is too much. Uh, in this case, I, it, it sounds uh, like reasonable uh, compromise. It might not even be required to be a specific team. It's just a, a process and a system that is uh, verifying the fulfillment of the data requirements. But in the end, you need communication because if the source or the data producer changes something, it cannot disrupt the existing system uh, and give you three days notice because you might have then production systems rely on that. So yeah, that, that would uh, for sure give trust to the consumers that what they get is of good quality and Sorry, probably I, would, yeah, Heimer. Yeah, yeah I, th I think some of the things you need to look at are also kind of the scalability of it, right? So if you have that central team, do, do they have the bandwidth to, to coordinate across, you know, um, a lot of teams and data assets? So that's at least one thing you need to consider in it. But as, you, as, as we're all kind of pointing out, communication here is essential. And I think the, one of the problems is in too many big organizations that communication happens uh, via, you know, word of mouth or email or things like that. And, and I think that, that, that introduces a real risk into the system. Um, and, you know, as, with an engineering background, I, I, I tend to say that, you know, these things need to be automated, right? Uh, so somehow you need to get a setup where 
if you do if somebody does changes to it, there needs to be an automatic notification without you know anybody uh, with without a human in the loop. That that's what I think the future looks like here on it because that's probably um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily something that's easily done with the, the tools we have today in, in the big data world, for example. Yeah, definitely. I think it's because um, people's work uh, isn't super automatable or alerts aren't super automatable. Um, I don't know how you would do that. Like in versioning, I guess, would work. And then you send out an alert. But we do version changes all the time. So like a feed like that would be overwhelming for the people consuming that sort of information. And like important things like we're changing the structure of this table that everybody uses uh, would get lost somehow if it was completely automated. Uh, yes, on the point about uh, overwhelming, I think we need to distinguish uh, breaking change and non-breaking change. So if it's... Uh, Non-breaking change, I, I think it's not, not necessary to, to broadcast it out. Then uh, I agree it's going to be overwhelming all the other downstream things. But but this is breaking change. Uh, it kind of for sure if this this one this information is not communicated, it's going to be affect other teams. And and in the worst scenario, broke their pipeline. So these these things need to be need to be uh, communicated. Carefully. It depends on what you mean uh, with breaking changes, because sometimes breaking changes are they are worse in the direct impact, but usually they're noticed. Like if the if the solution stops working, you notice it immediately, either because you have an alerting system in place or because someone will complain. Uh, what scares me most is the tiny changes that are not breaking, but they are degrading the performance of the underlying systems, which may go unnoticed for like days, months forever depending on how much you monitor your systems and again if you have some automation in place to monitor the data drift and changes in behavior so as i'm not really afraid of uh, null values in tables which are usually quite easy to spot also breaking changes they might cause some of course if the system is super critical you have to avoid it but most of the systems might go down for some short time and you will notice it immediately and you will fix it yeah but it's also a little bit on where that data quality check sits right so you know uh i think in some organizations it, it kind of like you know sits upstream or it sits downstream on it and and i think you know in bigger organizations my, my opinion is it probably needs to sit multiple places right so i think of course people doing changes uh to their code base or their data assets somehow they they should of course have some you know unit tests and different things they they run uh, to make sure that that things work right but i think at the same time as a consumer for example where you're consuming data from multiple systems i, I think you know trusting that changes are always communicated especially small changes it's not necessarily something that uh, that that um, that i think you can completely uh you know, uh, leave up to 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 the upstream uh, people to check. So I, I like to, at least in my projects, have some basic kind of uh, data input monitoring on everything we build, irrespective of what controls or that that uh, that people claim to be in place further upstream, for example, just out of uh, experience, I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the data monitoring is essential in, 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 the, in the, the big data world. It's just the same like what we do with DevOps with the metrics setup, right? We 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 measure, uh, we, we monitor on those metrics, but on the data, uh, we on on the data world, we need also monitoring the data because data is part of the the system. If we have the 
all the system works, but the data is not working. That makes no sense to, to say we have good, especially in the like uh, recommendation system or whatever machine learning system, if you don't get good data as input, we will not get good prediction as output. Well, we'll just um, move on to the um, the next question now. Just does anybody else have anything to say just on that point just before I move on to Jeremy's question? Perfect, lovely. So moving swiftly on to Jeremy's question. Um, so Jeremy, you said, how do you maintain data quality while scaling up? So if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question and then I'll let everybody jump in. Sure. Um, so like I said before, my company Mentimeter were in a period of hypergrowth. And so I was data scientist number three uh, on the team in August 2020. And now we're aiming to be 15, 16, 17 at the end of the year. How do we maintain like that sort of level of personal data knowledge? Or as we grow lessons learned from bigger places that we could put in place now that would uh, give us a hand in getting ahead of some of these problems, illustrating foresight, and all the things I kind of thought about earlier is the idea behind the question. So what uh, what common or what common mistakes do people make when scaling up or how can we prevent them as well? Can be another way to phrase the question. So you're, you're mainly talking about scaling up uh, with with, uh, with the people side, right? Do you have people... more, why you have more people, do you have also more use cases on top of the data? That's also yeah. the wrong scaling uh, yeah. dimension. Exactly. People and stakeholders and different departments understand different things and the complexity inside the entire organization, which is very data hungry. How do we manage those expectations and keep everything consistent and improve upon our current infrastructure going forward and foresee any future problems that we, we may have? I think you need to look at least one, one angle, right, is, is uh, looking at the different elements that, that are needed to scale things up in the data space, right? And and of course, one, one area is the tools you're using, right? So what, what tools are you using to manage your data? Do, do they scale? Um, but also in terms of how you, 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 you run the organization, the people, right? Like, you know, I, are you, are you doing, you know, are you running agile? You know, if you, you start small, you have a one, one scrum team on it. How many, how many, you know, when you start scaling up, you need to do safe agile, for example, get trains in, uh, how do you split? work between those those trains for example to to manage your, your quality on it do you make one train that just does data and the one train that just does analytics for example on it or do you do you mix and match things on it so at least from from my side there's there's these different angles to to scaling up an organization where you you need to look at how how, how to do it I, I think maybe maybe it's also important to realize that especially in a scale up, uh, you know, especially if you have a product and you're collecting data based on consumption of a product, when you're in a scale up, that's going to change over time. So the question is also, what's the lifespan of the data you've collected so far, right? The the data you might have the first year might be not very relevant for year two or three because your your product looks completely different and you're just in a completely different. Uh, state and the company and need to do things in a different way right or pre and post COVID. exactly yeah 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 market changes definitely uh, affect the underlying data i think that the fact you touched on people again uh, martin shows really the importance of uh, remembering that people in the end is what makes organizations work organizations are just the people that uh, makes them and works there and it i believe that it's really important to keep the organization aligned uh, on the data quality issue. Uh, 
technology has to scale, but again, it's something that you probably will detect quite soon uh, if you have scale issues uh, because the response start to be slow. But if people break or don't follow the processes or there is disalignment between different teams, then it's where the issues can become a bit tricky to spot and, and cause undetected uh, problems. Let's say that you rely on some metrics and for some reason some new team can or new people in the team can affect the way these metrics are calculated. And if you really trust them, then you might take decisions on those metrics which are fundamentally becoming wrong. Then I believe that it's really important to have uh, yeah, a common approach. I, I don't think that there is the, the right answer uh, to all the questions or a unique answer, but it's really important to to be aligned on the, on the processes, tools, and methods that are used. So, for example, recording or having documentation for onboarding of new people might uh, reduce the divergence rather than having just personal onboarding where opinions can impact the training more than what was decided before. I, I want to take a look at this problem from uh, the owners, date owners perspective. I feel like uh, I, I totally agree that there are different things involved in scale uh, a data organization. There are people, there are process, there are technologies. Uh, and one aspect to consider is ownership. Like one, as long as we grow up the, the organization, there will be more data generated. There will be more people joining. There will be more use cases being onboarded. If we don't have a clear ownership, who owns what data, then it's going to be, go, it's going to be a mess. But if we have clear ownership like let's say each of the team they own a certain data produced they they produced then we have we we know this uh, like ownership of the the data then we know who to reach out on on the consumer side we know who to reach out then it's much easier to at least get connection to 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 first identify the issue then get contact with the the source of the, the issue and get it fixed so so maybe data Define clear data ownership is also something to to be considered. Yeah, good good point, right? And and what does it mean to own own data, right? Uh, um, you can say it, it's I say in, in in some big organizations, right? It, it you know especially for example in our space where it gets very governance heavy on it, right? Um, then you know then very quickly people can get into a position where it it also very much becomes a kind of like a gatekeeper towards data. And I think that's not the intention, right? Um, I think as a data uh, owner, it, it is um, it should be kind of your 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 ambition to get that data consumed, right? To to enable it and create business value out of it. Um, and and I think that that data that data asset owner role is is super important and you know can can make or break large organizations depending on uh, on how people and and uh, yeah how how you kind of interpret that role basically yeah so back on the scaling up i think that the key factor is to find the right balance between adding governance without slowing up too much the processes because obviously excessive governance uh, then makes every use case a nightmare. It takes months just to get access or uh, denying entirely the access to the data to different teams that could deliver value. So in the end, probably a bit of pragmatism uh, in where to put this uh, governance line is what's needed and what makes the difference for a scale-up between probably bankruptcy and an IPO. Yeah, but I would, I would probably tend to think that like scale-ups, they probably have... Uh, 
you know, probably too little governance in general, uh, whereas more mature companies, they tend to do the opposite and have too much governance, right? So I, I think it is that that balance and especially with scale ups where you're you're moving from, you know, you are really moving away from that startup world, then then you need to start putting some governance in place. If you have nothing, then, you know, it, it is also going to prevent you from scaling because then you, you will not be able to grow above a certain size, basically. You, you will create too much mess doing having no governance in place, for example. Definitely. Well, moving on just to the um, to the final question now. Um, so that's Amelia's question. Um, so that is, how do you talk with stakeholders and convince them that the data quality management is extremely important? Um, so if Emilio, if you'd like to give a, back, a bit of background behind this question and then I'll let everybody jump in. Yeah, sure. So we've been discussing quite a lot about data quality management, the problems both when you scale up and when you are already in a large established organization. But both the tools and the data that you produce and consume change over time. Uh, new technology comes up. There is a million solutions out. I was at the Data Innovation Summit a couple of weeks ago and it's just crazy the amount of vendors and solutions that are out in the market, which partially overlap, partially probably they're complementary. But in the end, uh, if you need to establish new processes or purchase new licenses for specific tools, that's a, or change the way of working, that's a decision that needs to come from the upper management. Uh, but I feel that um, both for personal experience and talking with colleagues and friends and people working in the field is that there is more the feeling of the need of uh, data quality management uh, from the consumers and from people working down in the line, uh, in the technology uh, guys. And the communication is to convince stakeholders and, uh, and executives to, that this is extremely important. Even if we're not a data company, even if we're not a technology company, there is no company that can survive in the long term and lead the market without data quality. And that requires large investments. So yeah, I would like your feedback and your experience in how you communicate and convince. Again, we get back to people because it's always in the end on people, but how you, yeah, how you communicate that importance and get the right projects prioritized and budget. If it's not clear, I can try to rephrase it. So what, one, one angle could be looking at like how, how high up is this uh, issue kind of anchored in your organization, right? It's a, uh, you know, do you have a head of data or do, do you have a head of data quality, for example? Do you have somebody high enough up in the organization who actually can, um, you know, take take those talks with senior managers on it, right? Uh, or is this something where you need to bob, uh, bubble it up from the bottom of the organization, right? Um, so I, I think that's at least something to, to look at and different organizations have, have different approach to it. But if you are bubbling it up from the bottom, then you need to be very clear and being able to articulate the, the problems coming out of it, right? You know, what what is that list of incidents that this is creating by not uh, managing it? And can we formulate that as, you know, a business case, right? Like how much money are we losing by not managing data quality? I think that that's at least something where you can very easily get uh, attention from senior managers if you can articulate just how expensive it is that you, you're not managing it in a better way. That's a clever trick, uh, both quantifying what you don't have and communicating that quantification. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How do you quantify what you don't have is really tricky. 
for me. But of course, one can make his best guess, and that's what you should communicate. But uh, yeah, so but it, it depends on how how is this like data quality manifesting itself, right? Is it manifesting itself with that there's certain like products you can't deliver where you, you basically get blocked in the development, or or does it mean that the performance of your your end product is just not good enough, and you can demonstrate that if we could bump the performance up of whatever model or or, or process we have by 10%, that this actually has a monetary value in it, right? Um, but you know, the data quality things can also manifest themselves as incidents, right? Um, and I think in big companies, incidents can be super expensive, right? Uh, if you're talking about like uh, product recalls, for example, um, then that that can be, you know, have a a huge huge issue right um i think for us in the banking space you know a lot of these data quality things they manifest themselves uh on the compliance side right um and you know not not being compliant as a bank is a big big problem right it can can lead to regulatory fines and things like that and th those at least are, are things that we you know um um you know, you need to be able to articulate in, in one way or another. Yeah, I, I think the, the the convincing is always always a hard part. Uh, but in my experience, I, I would like to categorize that into two different problems. One is like the you want to convince the, the importance when something bad already happened, like like uh, Martin says, when the incidents already happened, then this should be data driven, right? Like we work with data and we know what exactly the issue is. And we collect the data. I think people are more convincing if we can pre 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 present them with data. But the tricky part is another part, which is like we we foresee this is going to be an issue, but we, it's not it's not happened yet. We want to prevent it. Then how can we do it? Like this is also the problem to me. What what I can I have done is just like find some reference cases, so which other companies have some kind of similar issues. Like they have the similar issue, like. Kind of case study, right? Like they have this issue, they have uh, they, they didn't do take any action on that, and what are the, what are the consequences to them? So if, if we can relate to those kind of cases, like, that might be a bit more convincing, but not always the case. <laughs> yeah, I guess it really depends on what kind of like company you're in, right? I, I think one of the the great things with being in banks is we have processes around everything, right? Uh, and, and, and for example, one thing we make of use of is is kind of like a risk a uh, risk uh, management frameworks, for example, right? That you know it, 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 the chance that a risk could materialize in the form of an incident, like what 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 is that? And and have some tools and processes for for that. And that really depends on your company, like how how much they they are into those those kind of things on it. Um, but at least these things here, where you know, where the, there's uh, safety aspects or, or something else to it, um, the, the, those types of companies tend to at least have some some level of, of risk management frameworks, right? Yeah, I think the, the regulatory uh, constraint kind of forces uh, everyone to be very strict in the processes and compliant with, and kind of gives you the culture of, uh, of the structure that you need to have with. It data management. I think now all the organizations with GDPR are kind of uh, forced to have some sort of data uh, management uh, uh, guidelines and rules to respect. Uh, but I think that we will still see in the near future some big hits on GDPR on some organizations that have failed in that. I don't know if the feeling is shared, but my personal one is that it's not entirely acquired yet by the majority of organizations. I think banks are a different case, but...
No, but there's for sure some variation across industries, right? And and uh, and 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 again, how severe it is it also depends a lot on on uh, on your data use cases, right? Um, I I think the biggest challenge can be if 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 uh, if the data quality issues are not not seen as critical for uh, for the business, right? Then it can be very very hard forcing anything through and getting that that needed attention on it. Yeah, that's that's what I had in mind when I when I raised my uh, my question because obviously if it's something really large and really obvious then it's addressed but there are a million sneaky cases where accumulating can cause a lot of damage to the organization either revenue loss or cost increase or bad decisions taken on bad data but hopefully at least the big ones are spot most of the time. Um, Jeremy, did you have anything to add just to that question? No, I think you guys did a very good job of covering it. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Did anybody else have anything else just to add just before I go ahead and stop the podcast there? So not so much from, from my side, but it was definitely a pleasure talking with uh, the rest of you. It was uh, some, some interesting discussions we got into. Yeah, I was about to say the same. Um, thanks for organizing this, Charlotte, and nice to meet you all was an interesting conversation. It's a hot topic. It will remain for a long time. And just to rub my head around, I find really interesting that in the end, it comes back to people most of the time. Yeah, definitely.